Just a word before we uh, <coughs> jump in. I, I noticed when Joe got up, he had his uh, wristband on. I, I, look, I looked for mine, it was gone, and uh, we had a revive last weekend. Uh, <coughs> I usually try and wear one, keep one on. I was at a restaurant with a couple people, and uh, the waitress came up and said, so what does your wristband mean? It's like an invitation to, uh, to share. So we just briefly shared with her. We asked if we could pray for her, and it was kind of a cool thing. She, she said, oh yeah, and she got down on her knees and folded her hands and put them on the table just like this. <clears throat> and uh, we prayed for her in that, in that restaurant. And uh, always just amazes me at how everybody you meet has this thing God created in them. And uh, when you pray and you lift someone up to God, there's just something that touches a person's heart because that's what we were made for. We were made to everything that comes into our life to be connected with God and to know that God is walking and he's there. And so, <clears throat> just to remind... By the way, how many had a chance to share this last week with somebody? One, two, three, four, five, six... About seven, eight people had a chance to just share with people. Uh, <clears throat> every week, we just... Kind of a reminder that we need to be uh, ready when God gives opportunity to, to do that. So that was great. I saw, um, I saw my first D.C. Everest football game Friday night in many years, and it was a nail-biter. My nails are gone. Uh, and my left ear is a little bad, too, because I was sitting right in front of Nathan Morris. Um, but um, <clears throat> if you were there, that was a great, great game. Uh, a lot of fun. Just brought back a lot of memories from growing up and... Uh, so, we're going to talk about another, another message on, under the theme, Can You Hear Me Now? And we're going to talk about something, I always feel a little bit, I'm, I'm very sensitive to people in a group because some of us have been in church for 30 years and some people in the, in the audience are very new. And so this is almost like, it almost seems like this is like an advanced thing in, in Christian life and faith. But I think it's really important, and I don't think you have to be way advanced to think about doing this. This morning, I want to talk about, I want to talk about fasting. I want to talk about fasting. Literally, that means no food. That's what, the de- that's what it means. Or uh, a definition would be voluntarily abstaining from food. That's what fasting would be. And I- I'm guessing that the vast majority of people today, the vast majority of people today in the church do not probably regularly fast. I, interesting fact, John Wesley, he, uh, he had a requirement, he would not ordain any pastor that did not fast two days a week, Wednesdays and Fridays. So there, there were days in which fasting was very normative, but it's really not in, in the church today. And so sometimes when you preach a message, you need, to, you need to do a confession before you start it. So I have to do that. Um, I'll, I'll say it this way. Right now in my life, if you were to say, are you a runner? Well, I walk the dog every morning for 20 minutes, and, and I do a little bit of a jog. It's not very much, just to get things going a little bit. Uh, as you get older, you're trying to reserve some of your joints and stuff. So, 
Um, so I, I will do that for five minutes. So I, if you ask me, and I, I have to be honest, I would say I am not a runner right now in my life. There was a time when I was, but now I'm not a runner. If you were to ask me, are you a faster? I would have to say no. <clears throat> I'll fast, uh, you know, I'll skip a meal for a prayer meeting from time to time. Uh, now that we have prayer meetings uh, every day of the week, and a couple of them at noon, there's opportunity to do that, but by and large, fasting is not a discipline that I take real seriously in my life. I haven't taught a lot on it, and maybe that's because I'm not doing it. And it feels a little funny to be preaching something you're not doing, right? So I, I just say that to you this morning. I think I, I need to take a look at fasting in my life, and maybe you'll see why after we walk through this message this morning. By the way, fasting is not uncommon, and you, you will find that people do it for many reasons. It's interesting, there's a 3-3-3 rule. You can live for three minutes without oxygen, three days without water, three weeks without food. Actually, you can do it better than that. The longest, longest uh, the record for holding your breath is 11 minutes <clears throat> underwater. With one breath of pure oxygen, it's 22 minutes. Uh, the record for going without water, there was a guy they forgot in a solitary confinement cell in the jail for 18 days. And uh, he was still alive after 18 days. Longest you can fast. A gentleman back in the, early in the 1900s fasted for like 70, I think it was 76 days. He died on the 76th day. Most medical professionals will tell you you can probably fast, certainly up to 40 days. Uh, they say 45 to 60 days is, is more of a, a period where it could be dangerous. Obviously, there are health reasons why people can't, but by and large, fasting is it's not going to kill you. It's not going to hurt you. <clears throat> Moses did it. Elijah did it. Jesus did it. In fact, if you were to go online and Google fasting today, all the articles you would see, there would be nothing about spiritual fasting. It would all be about the health benefits physically for just fasting. It have nothing to do with your spiritual life per se. And so they're find, finding dramatic uh, benefits from fa fasting, removing toxins from your body, reducing inflammation. Um, John Hopkins now most recently just came out with <clears throat> findings that they believe fasting can have significant uh, Significant impact on deterring Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Uh, <clears throat> when a person fasts after about 12 hours, the glycogen's gone, and your body begins to release ketones. And ketones go to your brain, and they, they work on the, and strengthening the synopsis and removing the protein. And your body's amazing. When you go without food, your body's saying, this guy or this gal's got to find food. He's got to be sharp. He's got to be alert. I need to go to the brain and give him as much intelligence as he can and a much, as much alertness so he can find food. That's kind of what your body does. And so they're finding that periods of fasting are healthy. <clears throat> In fact, John Hopkins recommends a 5-2. Uh, five days of regular eating, two days of eating at maximum 500 calories. Uh, just saying there could be significant health benefits for that kind of lifestyle. It's interesting to me that, after reading that, the Jewish leaders felt led to fast two days a week. 
Wednesdays and Fridays. Those were the days that the Jews were, uh, would fast. And as we'll see this morning, uh, at one point they approached Jesus and they said, Jesus, why aren't you fasting? And your disciples. And so we see that that was a common practice in the, in the uh, first century among the Jewish people. By the way, you know, God would not ask us, I don't think God would ask us to do something that's harmful to our bodies. This morning, we're going to talk about spiritual fasting, and we're going to talk about the benefits. And I think there are some, definitely, as in the physical realm, there are benefits, there are certainly spiritual benefits to fasting in a person's life. I'm not talking this morning about physical reasons for physical health. I'm not talking about fasting because you're doing a hunger strike and you want to bring notice to something. I'm not talking about trying to appease some, some pagan god by fasting. I'm talking about releasing us from the power of our flesh and looking at everything by sight and, and increasing the power of the Spirit and living by faith in our lives. In essence, you know, Paul talks about the spiritual eyes of our heart. Fasting brings great clarity to the eyes of our heart and enables us to see things spiritually in a, in a different realm. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to walk through a number of passages. And, and I'm not going to, obviously, this is by no way exhaustive. We're going to walk through the Old and then into the New Testament and we're going to look at a number, just briefly, but a number of passages and ask the question, what purpose were they fasting for in each of these situations? So you can jot those down if you're taking notes there, and then at the end, uh, we'll answer the question. I'll kind of, uh, in, in six, six bullet points, fasting allows us to, and I'll just give you some, some things that I think fasting can accomplish in your life. So let's go, let's start with these passages. There are many in the Old Testament. I'm just going to, I kind of just randomly pick these. One was uh, Jehoshaphat. So Jehoshaphat was, he was facing two armies that were coming upon him, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and they, they were like totally outnumbered. He didn't know what to do, so here's what he does. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast. For all Judah. Interesting, he didn't hold a strategy meeting. He proclaimed a fast. He said, I'm going to ask everyone to abstain from food, and we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to do this just, just before God to humble ourselves before him and to seek God in that. Another one is when Israel was battling against Benjamin. Israel went out and they lost 18,000 men against Benjamin. And they came back and they felt the Lord was saying, we need to keep going. So they went out the next day, they lost 22,000. That's 30,000 people they lost. And they're going, Lord, we got to know this isn't working. We got to know if we're really supposed to be doing this or not. So it says, all, then all the Israelites, all the people went up to Bethel. And there they sat weeping before the Lord and they fasted that day until evening and presented burnt offerings to the Lord. And it was just basically a way, a way of saying, help God, we're helpless, we, we're, we're not succeeding in this. So the first reason I would, I would say when we're facing great battles or obstacles, 
When you're facing great battles or obstacles, fasting can be something that is appropriate and that, that God will use. Here's the second one, Second Samuel. This has to do with David. You know the story of David? Ends up getting together with Bathsheba. They have a child, and the child is deathly sick. Nobody can help, so what does David do? David pleaded with God for the child, and he fasted and went into his house and spent nights laying on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused and would not eat any food with them. So David's son is sick. David says, I'm not eating until, until God acts. And so <clears throat> what happened? The child died. And when the child died, his men were worried about him, but they were surprised. At that point, David got up, he washed himself, and he sat down, and he began to eat. So we see here an example of fasting when, when someone is sick, or someone has a, a great need, and you're fasting on, on behalf of them for, for an illness like that. It would be appropriate time to fast for someone. Then there's Nehemiah. Nehemiah realizes that all the people have wandered away from God and that's why things are such a mess in their life. The temple walls are broken down and so he fasts. It says, when, he, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven that your ear be attentive and your ears open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you, O Lord. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. So, they're in a bad situation. Nehemiah realizes they probably don't deserve the favor of God in this situation where they need it. But... He prays on behalf of the others who have sinned, and he includes himself in that, and he fasts before God as a way of showing, demonstrating to God that he understands that they have sinned. Well, let's bump into the New Testament. There's a, a lady by the name of Anna. She had an interesting life. She was a prophetess, Anna, daughter of Phineal and tribe of Asher, she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow until she was 84. So this woman had been alone in the temple, and when her husband died, she just went to the temple and she devoted her life to, to worshiping God. It says she never left the temple, but, if you go on to the next one, you'll see that she worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. So we see here that fasting is a way that you can worship God. It's something you can be, bring in as a part of prayer that deepens one's worship with God. We go to Matthew 4, probably the most common. Jesus just gets baptized. Hopefully this is not going to happen to anybody today. Jesus just comes out of the water and the Spirit leads him out into the wilderness with no food for 40 days. And then, at the end of 40 days, he's confronted with 
these temptations which come from Satan himself. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, then tell this stone to become bread. Now you might think that if you took someone out in the desert and give, didn't give them any food for 40 days, you might think that they would be more susceptible to temptation than if you just gave them a loaf of bread and then had Satan come in and say, you want bread? You go, no, I just had a loaf. I don't need But fasting is interesting because I, I would suggest to you that the reason the Father called Jesus to fast was because after fasting, he was spiritually stronger than he would have been otherwise in his life. And so I would label this as fasting is something we do to enable us to stand against temptation. To stand against temptation in our lives. Matthew 6. Not a specific story here, but it's interesting. There's three paragraphs in Matthew 6. Jesus says, okay, when you, when you give, this is how you should give. Do we all agree that we should give? Be people who give? Yeah, I think so. Uh, when you pray, this is how you should pray. Should we all be praying people? I think so. Next paragraph, when you fast, this is how you fast. Should we all be fasting people? You know, I, don't think, I don't think any intent here was that we throw one of them out and say, well, we, we give and we pray, but fasting is really not important anymore in our day. Mark 2. Disciples of John and the Pharisees, they come to Jesus. This is a very interesting account because it will tell you something very important about fasting. They come and they say, so Jesus, why don't, why don't you and your disciples fasting? You know, every Wednesday and Friday, we're all fasting, but you're not fasting. Jesus says, why do you have to fast when the bridegroom's here? In other words, why would my disciples need to fast when I'm right in their presence? And then he said this, he said, when I'm gone, then they'll fast. So what does that tell you about the purpose of fasting? Obviously, the purpose of fasting then is, is, to, is to bring us near to God. And so I would, I would suggest to you that another purpose for fasting is to bring us more deeply into that personal relationship with Jesus. To bring it more deeply into that personal relationship with Jesus. And I think, you know, you can understand how that could happen. So you're stressed out and you come home and, you know, you could, you could turn on the TV or you, or you could go to the fridge, right? What if you abstain from that and you just went to Jesus? You might have a closer relationship. And so we see here that Setting aside food brings us to a place of moving more deeply into our relationship with Jesus. Mark 9, Jesus, they're casting out demons. The disciples have been casting out demons everywhere they went, and all of a sudden they hit a wall, and there's this kid that has a demon, and they can't cast him out. It says, after Jesus had gone indoors, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. Now, not all your translations 
have fasting there. Some just say prayer, but a number of them do. And so what Jesus is saying here is that, and this would be another reason, that spiritual power over spiritual forces of evil. Spiritual power over spiritual forces of evil over strongholds, fasting can have a significant impact. And so Jesus had lived such a life of prayer and I believe, I believe when Jesus went away and went up into the hills and up into the mountains, uh, I believe he often fasted. And so Jesus was in a place where he had the spiritual power flowing through his life and he was able to cast the demon out. Just a couple, finally, from the book of Acts. Acts 13, 2 and 3. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, he's talking about the, the believers now, in the church, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So here we see they're seeking God, obviously, for his direction. And God reveals to them what they're supposed to do. In that time of fasting and prayer, it's, it's revealed to them that Barnabas and Saul are supposed to be sent out. And so that's what they did. They sent them out. So another purpose for fasting is seeking God for guidance. And then finally, Acts 14, 23. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So this again is praying as a way of interceding on behalf of others for spiritual strength. You know, you could, you could fast for your children as they start school, praying that God would would just give them spiritual strength as they go out. There's a lot of things that you could fast for on behalf of interceding for others for spiritual strength. Now, we could go on for a long time. This is no way exhaustive, but here's what I want you to see. That throughout the scripture, there are many examples of this spiritual discipline of fasting as being a part of people's lives and accomplishing many purposes. So let me give you a list. i just kind of summarize these and, and pull these out of the stories that we just read. Here's a list of things that fasting will allow you to do. Number one, it will allow you to move into a deeper experience of prayer and worship with God. It will allow you to move into a deeper experience of prayer and worship with God. And so just in your own personal worship of God, like Anna who came to the temple and fasted and prayed, she obviously, obviously had a a really deep relationship and, and really was able to worship through that. It was one of her ways in which she worshiped God was through fasting. Number two, you can hear from God in areas where you need guidance. You can hear from God in, in areas where, where you need guidance. So if you're facing a situation and it's a really important one and, and, and you don't know what to do, and you've asked everybody, maybe you need to take some time and just fast and pray that God would give you guidance in that area. We saw that in, in Judges 20, where they're going, God, we've had two mis seemingly miserable failures here. Am I supposed to keep hitting my, beating our heads against the wall? What do we do? And so they didn't know what to do. So when you don't know what to do, and you need guidance, fasting could be something that God would use to give you direction. Number three, 
receive greater spiritual power for something that we are facing. You know, like Jehoshaphat, who had this army coming against him that was just too big for him, so he, he fasts. Or maybe there's a stronghold in your life or a temptation that it just has a hold of you and you just you can't get rid of it. Fasting may release spiritual power into your life to enable you to stand against that temptation. I believe it's one of the weapons that God has given us along with prayer in order to stand against the enemy. Which leads to number four directly. Be able to stand against temptation and spiritual forces of darkness. And so Jesus is is going out early on in his ministry. He's going to face the temptation of Satan himself. And he needs to have strength. And so there's this time of fasting out in the wilderness. Number five, more deeply intercede on behalf of someone else in need. Like David for his son. And you know, David fasted and prayed. Just because you fast and pray doesn't mean what you want to see happen is going to happen. You know, fasting is not something where you say, okay, if I, you know, maybe if I fast for two days, God will give me what I, what I want here. Or, or maybe if, if my grandma's sick and she's dying and, and maybe if I fast and pray for her, she'll live. Well, she might, but she might not. And so we have to be very careful when we fast that we don't see that as some way we can manipulate God to accomplish the things that we would like to have accomplished. We see one example we didn't talk about was Moses. My goodness, Moses was on his face all the time, fasting and praying, interceding on behalf of the sins of uh, the people of Israel. And so sometimes maybe we, inter, maybe we fast and pray on behalf of people that are important to us who are, who've gone astray. Uh, maybe it's people that are lost. So another way in which we can fast. And then lastly, and certainly last but not least, is that we fast because it enables us to abide more deeply in Jesus. To abide more deeply, have a deeper walk and relationship with Jesus. The passage that we looked at in Mark 2 is, is so, you know, it's, as, as you look at that, it's when Jesus says, you know, why would, they, why would my disciples need to fast when I'm with them? So evidently, fasting is a way in which we, we, we move closer to him. So let me summarize this morning. <clears throat> fasting is a It's a spiritual discipline that sharpens our spiritual vision or the eyes of our heart for greater clarity and things in the spirit. So here's something you'll notice if you fast. If you were to fast for a couple days, let's say you decided to fast for three days and, and you fasted and spent time before the Lord, you would have a clarity into things you would see things probably much more black and white. You might walk in and turn on the TV and sit down and go, oh my goodness. Well, before, it didn't even really phase you. And so we become more, you become more sensitive spiritually. You see things more clearly spiritually. 
You're able to grasp things more uh, clearly that are of a spiritual nature. Once you've gotten over the difficulty of fasting, and, and you know, one of the issues that we have to deal with when you fast is that sometimes when you fast, you know, your, your body begins to process all the junk we put in it, and you can feel pretty miserable. Many people have noticed that they'll fast for maybe 24 hours and they feel just horrible. They get a headache and they just don't feel very good and, and, and then they'll do it again. If you do it again the next week, though, it's not quite as bad. You do it again the next week, it's getting better. And after a month of regularly fasting, your, your body begins to clean itself out and physically you don't react the same. The other thing that happens with fasting is you begin to get quiet and you begin, you know, let's face it, we all like food, right? I'm, you're going to be looking forward to lunch. You may already be thinking about lunch. So when we take that out of our lives and now we don't have that, you know, we don't have that thing called food to cheer us up, we begin to face some of the deeper emotions in our life and uh, maybe you become angry. Well, maybe, you be, maybe the reason you feel angry when you're, Fasting is because you are angry. It's just kind of pushed down there. And so it's a chance not only to cleanse, as your body might cleanse itself physically, spiritually God begins to work on cleansing you. And, and he may bring to light something that you've been trying to avoid. And so it's not always a pleasant experience, but it's a profitable experience. Let me just conclude with one other example <clears throat> And I think hopefully this will kind of help us see why fasting is important. Jesus, um, when, he, when he fed the 5,000, you know, remember that story? He feeds 5,000 people. And then they get in a boat and they go across and there's the walking on the water. And anyway, they, they get up the next day and, and they're out there and Jesus is on the boat and the crowds, I mean, we're talking thousands of people they're, they're following Jesus, running around the lake and getting in boats and they're following him and, and Jesus has a very interesting conversation. You can read through it sometime. John 6, Jesus, he looks at the crowd of the disciples and he said, you see those people? They're racing around the lake to meet us. You know what? They're not interested in me. They didn't see that miracle as a sign about who I was. You know why they're running around the lake? Because they're interested in bread. They're interested in food. They're interested in stuff. They're interested in their appetites. Jesus said, you know, the Father sent manna out in the wilderness, but I am the new manna. I am the bread. And when the people got there, he said, you know what, guys? This really isn't about bread. This is about me. I am the bread. He, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And you know what happened? They all left. I don't know, five, six, seven thousand people, they all left. And Jesus was with his disciples and he, he turned to them and he said, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter does that classic line like, Lord, where would we go? You're the only one that has the words of eternal life. And so here's the point. When we 
fast and we set aside our appetites for things of this world, food being probably one of those, you know, common things, but it could be work. You know, some of us, we're very idolatrous in our nature. We can easily make things into idols. Our work can become our idol. You know, food can become an idol. Our, our hobbies can become an idol. And so as we, as we set those things aside, and in a sense, it's really a crucifixion of the flesh. You know, Paul said, I beat my body and I buffet it and I make it my slave. I wonder if fasting wasn't a part of that discipline in his life, to keep those things in check, to realize that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So my challenge to you is to, I'm guessing for most of us here, fasting is just, it's, it's just not part of our lives. You know, something we can read about and see that people did, but I think God has something special for, for any of us who would begin to develop some discipline of this in our lives. And so I'm going I'm to challenge you in that way. And uh, some of you will walk out of here. And I talked to somebody first service, and they said, uh, <clears throat> you know, my wife and I decided to take one day a week for 24 hours, and we're going we're gonna to try this. In January of this year, Last year we did. We had 21 days of prayer in January of this year. Uh, I'm going to pull this back up and <clears throat> challenge us in a variety of different ways, at different levels, to to bring this practice into our lives. And so, you know, the goal in in all this is that we would see Him more clearly and we would know Him more clearly, and that we would more clearly, with the eyes of our heart see the world as, as Jesus sees it. Father, I thank you this morning for, for this, <clears throat> thank you for this discipline that we probably all need in our lives. We all know what it's like to, to fall in love with something here and to begin to rely on it for our joy and, and to, <clears throat> to soothe our our aching souls. And Father, you want us to feast upon you. You want us to turn to you as that bread because you are, you are the only one that can really satisfy. So, uh, Lord, just teach us through this, this teaching today. And I pray for my life that you'd uh, guide me in, in how you want me to apply this in, in my own life. And, uh, Father, we know that as we as we trust you in this, that you, you have great things always. As we sang this morning, you are good, 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 and we just trust you for that this morning. Um, Father, thank you for uh, each person here. Father, I pray for anyone here today who has yet to call upon you as that bread of life, who has yet to just open up their heart and invite you uh, to be their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray today they might just sense you calling them to that. We thank you and praise you in, in Jesus' name. Amen.